The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here's your top five at five. Breaking news overnight. The FBI searching former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, looking for classified documents taken from the White House. We have a live report from Washington coming up. China extending its military drills around Taiwan indefinitely as Taiwan prepares live fire exercises of its own later on today. We are live from the region coming up. On Wall Street, demand destruction getting real as investors digest cautious comments from more than a half dozen CEOs on their earnings calls last night. Their stocks paying the price today. Plus $52 billion for the CHIPS Act plus another $430 billion for the Inflation Reduction Act. Why D.C. could actually be fanning the flames of inflation instead of trying to snuff them out. Jimmy Petakoukas weighs in later on. And then later, a meme stock summer surge as retail traders make new bets on old names. It's Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning to you. I'm Dominic Chu, in for Brian Sullivan today. And let's kick off this morning with a check on U.S. stock futures after yesterday's very mixed session. That saw the S&P log its third straight losing session. Right now, the Dow is implied higher by a modest 67 points. The S&P higher by roughly seven points and the Nasdaq higher by just about 20. A lot of those tech stocks, very much a wait and see kind of development happening here, given what happened with NVIDIA and its pre-announcement yesterday. The 10-year Treasury, two-year Treasury spread is now, by the way, at its narrowest since 2000. It's inverted for the most part. You can see the two-year note yield ticking higher, 3.22%. The 10-year note yield just a little below 2.79%. So we're keeping an eye on that dynamic, though all rates across the curve are moving higher. In the oil market, crude coming off its highest settle since August 3rd, hovering just about 90 bucks a barrel at this point. U.S. benchmark WTI is $89.37, down 1.5%. $95.38 here for ice Brent crude, the world benchmark futures market. Market, down about one and one-third percent. Meanwhile, nat gas price is $7.67, up about one percent. In cryptocurrencies, we're seeing Bitcoin and Ether showing some signs of downside movement after a nice little surge we've seen over the last couple of weeks here. Bitcoin price is now below that 24,000 mark, 23,792, off one half of one percent. Similar percentage move down here for Ether prices, $1,771.16. Most of the smaller Altcoins and tokens are also moving lower today as well. Let's now get a check on the early action in Europe. Our Juliana Tattlebaum is in London with the latest there. Good morning, Juliana. 
Good morning, Dom. Well, here in Europe, there's not a huge amount going on in terms of market action. It seems as though investors are somewhat in wait-and-see mode ahead of tomorrow's all-important U.S. inflation report. We have um, a flat start to trade for the French market. The Zetradax over in Germany underperforming somewhat. We're down about three-tenths of a percent. Here in the U.K., FTSE 100 trading about 0.1% higher. Now, of course, many are on holiday here in Europe, so potentially that typical August low also having some impact on trade this morning. We've also got more earnings rolling in. One of the better performers this morning, duty-free retailer Dufree, trading at the top of the stock 600. H1 turnover more than doubled. So an encouraging sign for the travel industry. On the flip side, we've got workspace provider IWG, somewhat like WeWork, trading at the bottom of the main benchmark this morning after reporting a loss for the first half. From a sector perspective more broadly, this is how things are shaking out this morning. We've got insurance trading well this morning, up about 0.8%. Banks and oil and gas. On the downside, we've got a little bit of underperformance for travel and leisure as a sector overall, down about 1.2%. But as I mentioned, Dufree is one of the star performers this morning. Dom, we'll hand it back over to you. All right, Julian Tenelbaum, thank you very much for that. Let's get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Courtney Reagan is here with that. Good early morning, Courtney. Hi, good good morning, Dom. It's good to see you. So Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway once again adding to its Occidental Petroleum stake. And regulatory filings yesterday, Berkshire says it paid about $391 million for nearly 6.7 million shares between August 4th and August 8th. The latest buy brings Berkshire's total stake in the oil giant to just over 20 percent, or 188.4 million shares, worth some $11 billion. At this level, Berkshire could record some of Oxy's earnings with its own, potentially, adding billions of dollars in profit to its bottom line. And Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba officially petitioning the Hong Kong Stock Exchange to convert its local trade shares to primary from its current secondary status. The expected effective date of the switch is expected by the end of this year. Alibaba says the move will allow it to broaden its investor base and expand access to China and other Asia-based investors. And shares of Bed Bath & Beyond popping in the pre-market after a more than 30% move yesterday, which is also its highest volume day ever, going back to its 1992 IPO. Dom, no apparent news pushing the stock higher, except that Reddit traders appear to be jumping back into the stock in an apparent short squeeze. According to the latest data, 45% of the firm's free float is currently being shorted. And it's not just Bed Bath, GameStop and AMC. They're also getting some of that new love. Oh, the meme traders are back at it, Dom. Back it's, over to you. It's a cycle, right? I mean, they just kind of, they, they come in and out. You just never know when it's going to happen. Uh, it is wild. I mean, on some of those days when Bed Bath & Beyond is up, it is really, really up. And again, for no apparent news. I know. I remember doing the market check during Squawk Box yesterday, seeing massive games in Bed Bath & Beyond, thinking, thinking it's, it's happening all over again. Yeah, I think it started Friday, if memory serves. And uh, yeah, yesterday was quite a big day. All right. Courtney Reagan, we'll see you later on. Thank you very Thanks, much. Tom. To this morning's breaking news and new developments around what is being characterized as an unprecedented investigation. The FBI is executing a search warrant at former President Donald Trump's Florida home at Mar-a-Lago just outside Palm Beach, all part of a probe related to the transfer of classified documents from the White House. NBC's Susan McGinnis reports here from Washington, D.C. What can you tell us, Susan, about this raid and investigation? Well, Dominic, good morning. This never-before-seen search of a former president's private residence appears to be tied to possible classified information that uh, Donald Trump uh, took from the White House and delivered to Mar-a-Lago when he left office. 
The FBI on Monday executing a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago, the Florida home of former President Trump. This could only happen if a judge found probable cause to believe that evidence of a crime will be found there. Mr. Trump, can we get your reaction to the raid, sir? Trump not in Florida during the search, ignoring questions as he left Trump Tower in New York. In a statement, he says his home was under siege, raided and occupied by a large group of FBI agents, and said they even broke into my safe. A source familiar with the matter telling NBC News the search was tied to classified information Trump allegedly took to Mar-a-Lago from the White House when he left office. National security concerns clearly enter in, as do questions about his motive in retaining secret and top secret documents. In February, the National Archives retrieved 15 boxes of White House records Trump removed. It asked the Justice Department to examine whether his handling of White House records violated federal law. There's no family in American history that has taken more arrows in the back than the Trump family. Trump supporters in Congress lining up to defend him. What was on the war? What were you really doing? What were you looking for? Why not talk to President Trump and have him give the information you're after? In Florida, protesters gathered, reaction strong on both sides. It's very disturbing. The man did nothing while he was in office. And I think they're just on, they're on a witch hunt again. He's going to go down for this, and it's going to be a great day, man. Trump calling the action politically motivated, saying radical left Democrats desperately don't want me to run for president. Now, as for Trump's political aspirations now, a lot of it depends on the outcome of this search. But at least one person close to the former president says if he wasn't running before, Dominic, he is now. All right. So, so, so I mean, House leader Kevin McCarthy... He had a tweet featured in your package that we just saw there. He issued a threat of sorts to Attorney General Merrick Garland on this. This is becoming a very, very lightning rod of an issue here, especially for those in the House of Representatives. What exactly is going on there? Yeah, that's right. He's uh, issuing a veiled threat, sort of promising payback for initiating this search, telling the uh, attorney general uh, that the politicization it's reached uh, an intolerable state of weaponized politicization. And he's telling Garland, preserve your documents and clear your calendar. So what he's saying is if the Republicans take back the House in the November midterms, there will be investigations into the Department of Justice. All right, Susan McGinnis, thank you very much. We appreciate it. To another developing story in China saying it will extend its military drills around Taiwan for an unspecified amount of time. This as Taiwan's defense force conducts live fire drills of its own today. Eunice Yoon joins us now from Beijing with the latest there. Eunice. Thanks, Dom. Well, Taiwan today is accusing China of using Speaker Pelosi's visit as a pretext to practice for a possible Chinese invasion. The island's foreign minister today said that his government believes China's aim is to upset the status quo in the Taiwan Strait and realize what he described as a geostrategic goal to become a seafaring power in the region. China's military announced fresh drills today to practice what they said to be uh, blockades as well as logistics coordination. The additional drills uh, near Taiwan are coupled with uh, the PLA's exercises from yesterday where they practiced anti-submarine and sea assault tactics in an apparent effort to target U.S. support and also announced live fire exercises in the waters off of the Korean Peninsula near Japan. Now, Taiwan's foreign minister has vowed not to be intimidated. But the island carried out a previously scheduled 
uh, a drill session, uh, which they said was a simulation of a defense of a Chinese invasion. Uh, they said that they're going to be carrying out more drills this week. Dom? All right. So, so, so Eunice, it, it, you mentioned yesterday during your report about some of the business impacts and the ripple effects here. How much of this uncertainty being created is going to at least maybe influence policymakers on the Taiwan side of things with regard to what they're going to do? Or, or, or is Taiwan very, very steady with regard to its message about how it wants to treat the response to these Chinese drills in the, in the Strait of Taiwan over there? Well, the policymakers there on the island are definitely watching what's happening and thinking about what's happening with uh, air traffic as well as marine traffic, because already we saw an impact over the past several days when those exercises were first announced. Uh, however, the um, air traffic as well as marine traffic has been coming back. And the island's uh, um, uh, officials who are in charge of the economy said that for the most part, they don't see a major impact on the economy because the two countries are so closely linked. And in fact, uh, for all the important stuff, uh, such as chips, China needs Taiwan just as much as Taiwan needs China. Dom? All right. Eunice Yoon live in, in the region with the latest there. Thank you very much. When we come back on the show, demand destruction is getting real as investors digest cautious comments from more than a half dozen CEOs on their earnings conference calls last night. We will dig into that next. Plus, solar stocks are soaring as the Inflation Reduction Act moves one step closer to becoming law. But other green sectors stand to benefit too. Diana Olick has more on that story. And then later on, too little, too late for one COVID-19 vaccine maker. Its shares falling by more than a third in the pre-market trade. We'll reveal that mystery chart right after this break. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Demand destruction and consumer spending shifts getting a bit more real this morning amid some very rough guidance from nearly a dozen companies out with earnings yesterday. Now, just take a look at names like, say, Take-Two Interactive. You got weak fiscal, second quarter guidance, and full year guidance as well. Shoemaker Allbirds cutting its full year outlook. Smile Direct is cutting its full year sales target by more than $100 million. Same store sales, same story at CarGuru. You got 3D systems, all of these. Now, from their earnings reports, Take-Two CEOs telling Barron's that his business is, quote, not recession-proof or counter-cyclical or even recession-resistant. 
That's video games. Allbirds chief financial officer says there is anticipation, quote, external headwinds pressuring consumer spending in the United States will persist in the back half of this year, 2022. And then from Smile Direct Club's, quote, challenges to consumer spending accelerated faster than we anticipated and a shift in discretionary spending towards services have resulted in lower overall expected demand for the balance of the year. Some very cautious comments on the consumer when the consumer drives more than two-thirds of the U.S. economy. Joining me now is Matt Maley, Chief Market Strategist at Miller Tayback. Uh, Matt, good morning. I I wonder, I just read off a list of quotes. Those are just a selection. I can't go through all of them. We don't have the time. But that's a theme that's developing about whether or not the comparisons over the last couple of years with COVID and government handouts, stimulus payments and everything else that bolstered consumer balance sheets are now going to be tough to replicate. Does it give you some pause about whether or not this market has sustainable momentum to the upside? Yeah, yeah, definitely, Dom. I mean, one of the things that the, I worry about is, you know, what the, the market seen a nice uh, you know, bounce. It was oversold. The sentiment was horrible back in June. But, of course, that, that bounce has is, is lasted for over two months now. And but the, the main reason behind that, of course, is that people thinking the Fed's going to pivot. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's great. But, but you can't have your cake and eat it, too. I mean, if demand destruction is so severe that it's going to really hurt the consumer in a significant way, well, therefore, then earnings are going to have to come down, even though they, they did, haven't come down much during the second quarter earnings report. You think they could very seriously come down uh, significantly in the second half. If that happens, it's going to be very tough for, uh, for the market to hold up. So uh, you can't have both. I mean, if you're going to have major uh, demand destruction in a situation where a lot of the uh, inflation is supply induced, uh, that gives you the kind of recession that could be a little bit tougher for the market to handle. I mean, Matt, strategy is your game. This is this is why you get paid. This is your job. So is the stuff that I reeled off there with regard to earnings conference call quotes, is it just anecdotal in your mind right now? Or, or have you seen enough evidence of that kind of commentary that you feel that this is now thematic, that the American consumer needs to at least show some more signs of strength before the market can say, hey, you know what, the economy is okay going forward. Yeah, not only have we have seen these uh, things done, these comments from from CEOs, uh, but we're also seeing in, in a lot of the data. For instance, you know, we saw this, uh, you know, credit card debt hitting all time high, a uh, revolving debt hitting all time high over a trillion dollars. I mean, the only way this consumer has been able to keep up uh, has been, been by borrowing, and they can only do that for so long. And, and so this is the kind of, kind of thing that shows that yes, the consumer is starting to get distressed. You know, we had that, you know, unleashing of, of, of another uh, round of. Pen- up demand in the spring and summer. But now they're sitting back and saying, hey, wait a minute, we can't just keep borrowing like this. And at some point, as we move into the school year and and such, people are going to pull on their horns a little even more. I think that's what a lot of these CEOs are really concerned about. You know, what's interesting, though, is a a lot of the reason why consumers were kind of pulling in their horns, circling the wagons, so to speak, was because of that inflationary narrative out there. And it's still out there for sure. But we've seen fuel prices come down markedly over the course of the last three or four weeks. Does that put more money in consumer pockets? And then what do they spend on? And if so, what parts of the market benefit? 
Well, I mean, the, the thing is that, yes, it has come down quite a bit. But, you know, peak people keep talking about peak inflation. But if that inflation uh, comes down, it's still going to stabilize or level off or plateau at a much higher level than the 2% uh, level that, that everybody's hoping for. Uh, you still have to question how much that really helps the consumer. I mean, you know, you look at the CRB commodity index. It's down 15%, but it's still 40% higher than it was uh, in front, above its pre-pandemic levels. Uh, so there, it's still very high. And I still think it's going to have a, a problem. Now, so therefore, I still think you want to be looking at areas uh, that are going to benefit from this higher inflation, I'm sorry to say, like the energy sector. I mean, it's been beaten up pretty good lately. Uh, but I don't, I, again, because of this, that, that issue, just like it was in, during OPEC, uh, the OPEC embargo of the 1970s was, is being driven by supply issues. Uh, both the inability to produce a, an, enough energy uh, it, it, like, and of course the, the sanctions on Russia, which don't look like they're going to go away anytime soon. I think this area is one where people can, can, can get back into, and I think we'll rally nicely as we move through the rest of the second half of the year. Matt, before we let you go, are we in or are we not in a recession? Personally, I think we're in a recession at the early stages of one, and I think it will get a little bit worse before. I guess my point is I think it will be hard to achieve just a mild recession. I think we're going to get a run-of-the-mill one, and that, that does you know, bring up some problems where, where the stock market is trading right now. Matt Maley, Miller-Tabak, thank you very much for your thoughts. We appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Still on deck for the show, a $52 billion CHIPS Act, plus another $433 billion for climate change, health care, and more. So the real impact D.C.'s spending spree could have on surging inflation, we'll have a view on that coming up ahead. Keep it right here. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning for you. First up, you've got Hims and Hers, the online platform that offers health and wellness products, posting a second quarter loss that was relatively in line with estimates. Revenues actually beat forecasts as the company added 100,000 new subscribers. Hims and Hers is also raising guidance for the full year, so a generally positive story that's leading to a 3.5% gain in the pre-market trade for Hims and Hers. Stock number two is GoodRx. Those shares soaring more than 50% after the company, which lets people compare prescription drug prices, reported better than expected second quarter results. It also says a previously disclosed issue with a major grocery store chain has since been addressed. The issue impacts the acceptance of discounted prices for certain drugs from pharmacy benefit managers who are GoodRx's customers as well. So, again, those shares right up to 40% in the pre-market. And then stock number three is a stock that we've talked about often during the pandemic. It's Novavax. Those shares are sliding in a big way after the vaccine maker reported a surprising second quarter loss of more than a half a billion dollars on revenues of less than 200 million. The company is also slashing its annual revenue guidance in half as it doesn't expect more sales of its COVID-19 shot in the U.S. this year amid softer demand and a global supply glut of COVID-19 vaccines. Those shares down 31% pre-market. 
Well, get out and travel stocks are surging thanks to huge pent up demand. But will inflation stop that demand for travel in its tracks? We've got Jeffrey's analyst David Katz weighing in after this. Keep it right here. Call it unprecedented as federal agents execute a search warrant at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. We've got those details ahead. D.C.'s spending spree kicking into high gear today as the president gets ready to sign the $52 billion CHIPS Act into law. And with some $430 billion in more spending waiting in the wings, what could all this mean for the inflation story? Maybe not what lawmakers would have you believe. And SNAP struggles getting real as the company reportedly prepares to cut costs by shrinking its workforce. Layoffs. It's Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to the show. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan on this Tuesday morning. It's just about 5.30 a.m. here on the East Coast, just outside New York City. And here's how markets and your money are looking right now. We are going to see some modest gains at the opening bell if these futures moves kind of consistently stay where they are. Up about 60 points implied into the opening bell for the Dow Jones. The S&P up by roughly four points and just about modest gains, if any, for the Nasdaq. That tech trade, a key focus right now. Yields, on the other hand, are moving, and they are moving to the upside, pretty much across just about every part of the yield curve. Shorter end rates on the two-year note yield, 3.23%. The 10-year note yield, benchmark-wise, 2.79%. So, again, still inverted in a very big way. We'll keep an eye on that particular dynamic. Oil prices... That demand story, a big focus. Are consumers still going to buy it if things are softening up in the economy? U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate crude prices down about a buck 14. That's about one and one third percent declines. Eighty nine dollars and sixty cents. World benchmark ice Brent crude futures, ninety five dollars and sixty two cents off a little over a buck. About one percent downside there. Nat gas prices, seven dollars and sixty nine cents up about one and one third percent. Now to some of this morning's top stories. Courtney Reagan is back with those. Hi, Courtney. Hi. Good morning, Dom. Well, Google appears to be back up and running this morning after what's being called a brief global outage late yesterday. Outage tracking website DownDetector.com reported more than 30,000 users in the U.S. indicated problems with the search site. Others experienced problems in Japan, Canada, and Australia. Well, well, Snap is reportedly set to lay off some of its employees. The Verge says that the company is in the early stages of planning, and the scope of the cuts are still unclear. The Snapchat owner has more than 6,000 workers and warned last month of what it called, quote, incredibly challenging business conditions. Other tech companies have recently announced job cuts and plans to slow hiring. And just yesterday, Groupon cut 500 workers, or 15% of its workforce. It plans to focus only on what it's called mission-critical activities. And SoFi shares are under pressure this morning. This comes after an SEC filing showed SoftBank is selling at least part of its 9% stake in the company. Shares are down more than 3.5% at this time. Dom, back over to you. All right, Courtney Reagan, thank you very much for that. Back to this morning's breaking news. Former President Donald Trump says FBI agents, quote, raided his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida yesterday and accessed his personal safe. Sources tell NBC News the search warrant was part of an investigation into the former president's removal of classified official presidential records from the White House to his Florida residence. 
Trump was not at home at the time of the raid as he spends his summers at his Bedminster Golf Club here in New Jersey. No comment from the Justice Department on the search. Now, the search does represent a serious and unprecedented escalation of federal law enforcement focus on President Trump after months of questions about whether Attorney General Merrick Garland was planning to pursue investigations into the former president. So, again, a huge developing story overnight. Well, President Biden will sign H.R. 4346, known as the CHIPS Act and Science Act, into law today. The $52 billion bill is aimed at boosting semiconductor manufacturing and research here in the United States. And as part of a $280 billion package aimed at funding private sector research overall, the bill signing comes ahead of the likely House passage of the $433 billion Inflation Reduction Act, attempting to tackle things like climate change, prescription drug costs, and corporate tax reform. And despite claims these two bills will help lower inflationary pressures, they account for nearly half a trillion dollars in new federal spending and arguably could help drive prices even higher. Joining me now is Jimmy Pethokoukis, economic policy analyst at the American Enterprise Institute. He is also a CNBC contributor. Uh, Jimmy, I mean, there's a debate. You can call it that. They did debate it in Congress about whether or not this was going to really be anti-inflationary or, or in some ways deflationary for, for overall prices and the economy. We have seen a recent precedent of massive amounts of government spending. It happened during the virus pandemic between 2020 and 2021, 22. And you could argue that drove prices higher between the Fed and taxpayer spending. So what is your thought here? Is this going to lower inflation? Well, I think what's interesting, uh, I mean, let's 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 take the the bill which is supposed to lower inflation, which is the Inflation Reduction Act. Over 10 years, the amount of sort of fiscal tightening is is super, super modest. The uh, the impact on drug prices, that stuff doesn't even begin to like 2026. So if inflation begins to fall, it's anytime soon over the next you know months. It's not going to be because of this bill. Now, a lot of voters might say, wow, they just passed this inflation reduction bill and now inflation's falling. I guess the two are related. I mean, I'm sure the Biden administration would like them to think that and they very well uh, may think that. But to be honest, if that bill is really a climate spending bill, just like the chips bill you mentioned earlier, that's really a R&D bill. Well, those aren't the bits that we've uh, that we're talking the most about. You know, Jimmy, you know, a lot of business school classes, a lot of kind of general economics classes in, in, in college and whatnot. We'll, we'll talk about this idea of of life cycle costs, right? Investing now, you spend more upfront so that you spend less going forward in, 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 in the future. Is there a case to be made that when it comes to things like the Inflation Reduction Act, that by spending the kind of money you do right now on things like renewable energy projects, on things like health care, that you make the investment, so to speak, now so that you don't have to pay as much down the line. Listen, inflation is fighting inflation. That is a monetary policy role. And I think the case that you're making, and I think that's also the case uh, that the Biden administration is making, and certainly lots of economists, is that uh, these bills, plus the infrastructure bill, will increase the productive capacity of the economy. 
And that is anti-inflationary because, you know, what's inflation? It's you know, too much money chasing few two goods. But if you can suddenly produce more goods and produce them more efficiently, then overall, over the long term, you've created a more inflation resilient economy. And listen, particularly with the infrastructure bill and the R&D and some of these other things, I mean, that's a legitimate case. Now, if you take a look, though, at the way things have shaken out over the last couple of years, we've seen taxpayer money spent in a very direct way at trying to boost the American economy. It literally became checks being sent out, so to speak, right? Or, you know, money showing up in people's account. If that taxpayer money was spent in the way that it was, and you could argue that it led to some of the inflation that we're seeing right now, could we be ready to see more of that kind of inflation given the massive amounts of money being earmarked for spending again in this kind of environment? Well, I mean, I just think there's a there's a really degree difference between the kind of spending that we saw uh, with the American Rescue Plan, which, you know, I think you can find a lot of economists agree that that's, you know, that certainly caused a few points uh, of the uh, current inflation spike. Like if that money had been spent more in R&D, maybe not spent at all, maybe spent on reducing deficits, we would be in a certainly be in a better position today. And I think going forward, we really want to think a lot more uh, about how we can make this economy more productive. And remember, who's who's going to be doing the R&D? Who's going to be working in those chip factories? Uh, it, it's it's going to be a lot of talented immigrants. So we better focus a lot more uh, on getting them over here or the productive aspects of these bills aren't going to work so well. And, and Jimmy, b- before we let you go here, you know, w- we talked about right now, just before you came on, the, the developing news overnight with President Trump, his house being raided down in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, can you take us through whether or not you think this kind of changes the Republican narrative going into the midterms and whether or not this does provide or take away from the fuel that Donald Trump has to make another run at the presidency? Well, I can tell you right now in D.C., no one's talking about green tax credits. Uh, they're, ta- they're talking about this, you know, this, this FBI investigation. Um, let me say this is that there's still a piece of this uh, inflation bill that still needs to be done. And that's sort of that's sort of a permitting bill to kind of ease up on some of these environmental regulations to, so we can build a lot more infrastructure, clean energy. That's going to require Republican help. And one concern is that is Republicans are not going to be willing to help with that bill because this this FBI raid is going to consume Washington. And to the extent it gets Republicans who are already pretty juiced up about this election to come out more. Uh, I, I, I think it really throws the midterms, you know, up for grabs a little bit. I'll also add that Ron DeSantis has moved ahead of Trump uh, on the betting markets for 2024. So I think the the political ramifications really, really early, but it's very volatile. All right. Uh, volatile situation for sure. Jimmy Pethokoukas, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bob. All right, let's stay on the Washington theme here and talk about some of the under-the-radar publicly traded companies that could see possibly a benefit from the Inflation Reduction Act. We've already seen solar stocks get a huge bump ever since Senator Manchin signaled his support for these, this Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA. So Diana Olick now is here with a story on what other companies could benefit. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Dom. Yeah, the obvious winners in the climate space are solar, wind and electric vehicles. But many other sectors will benefit from this historic amount of spending to reduce global greenhouse gas emissions. For one, something as mundane as 
HVAC systems, that's air conditioning and heating. That includes public names like Johnson Controls, Carrier, and Honeywell. The tax credit to homeowners will specifically benefit those makers of heat pumps. Agriculture, which is a huge carbon offender, will also benefit from $20 billion in ag subsidies to help farmers reduce emissions. They'll also see cash from carbon sequestration and capture through the 450. 45Q tax credit. A major name in this space, Green Plains, it makes ethanol, but has also shifted its model to focus more on cleaner technologies for agriculture and potentially cleaner fuels. The clean fuel production tax credit that we're talking about could really start to change the way that this industry is perceived, both from the farm all the way through what we do and really revalue the asset base overall that we can do so many more things that others can't do in refining assets. In addition, venture capital firms like Fifth Wall, which just closed a half billion dollar climate fund for real estate, could see big boosts to its startups that it backs. Those include clean cement and steel production, as well as clean hydrogen and carbon capture. Breakthrough Energy Ventures, founded by Bill Gates, could also see the values of the companies it backs rise exponentially. Gates wrote in an op-ed in the New York Times on Friday, these incentives would also provide the private sector with the confidence to invest for the long term. And that is very important, Dom. All right. So, so Diana, I mean, in the trading that we've seen over the last few days with regard to kind of this 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 bill, this Inflation Reduction Act coming coming to the president's desk, possibly in the coming days and weeks, it was the solar stocks that did a lot. But one thing that caught my attention was some of the traditional utility companies that have larger renewable project operations like Nextera, like Constellation. Is this a situation where this kind of money, the kind of money that we're talking about right now, is enough to move the needle for somebody, even some of the biggest utility companies in the world? I think it certainly is because they're all talking about clean energy now. And as I said, it's the largest investment that we've seen so far in history for these types of climate innovations. And so that goes across the entire energy sector. We always go straight to solar or wind when this happens because, again, those are the obvious plays and electric vehicles. But this is really a wide swath of all kinds of manufacturing, agriculture, energy, etc. Things that we've done in our Clean Start series, these small startups that have, you know, all kinds of innovations to try to reduce greenhouse greenhouse gas emissions. They're all going to get a piece of this, especially through those tax credits. All right. Diana Olick with the latest there on that big story. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Coming up on the show, if you've been to an airport this summer or tried to book a hotel room, you know that the travel industry is booming and really booming. But with the recession fears looming, will this trend be short-lived? We will ask an industry analyst coming up next. But first, as we head out to break, check out futures right now. Pointing to some modest gains at the opening bell. The Dow Jones implied higher by 62 points. The S&P by four. But the Nasdaq only up by one. Stay tuned. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. After two years where most people didn't really go anywhere, certainly on vacation, we've been packing airports now, snapping up rooms and ho- at hotels and booking vacation homes at breakneck paces, no matter the cost in some situations. But with rising prices eating into household budgets, fuel prices on the rise and recession worries looming, will demand to, tr- to get out and travel drop off in the coming days and months? Let's bring in now David Katz, Managing Director and Equity Analyst over at Jefferies, who covers a lot of these lodging companies. Now, David... 
I don't think there's been a time in the past where we've spoken where we haven't talked about casino stocks specifically. But I want to shelve that for the time being and talk about other parts of your coverage universe, specifically when it comes to specific lodging areas. Do you feel as though we are still going to have to pay as consumers these massive prices for hotel rooms in the coming weeks and months? When you present the question that way, the answer is yes. Uh, and uh, what we are seeing are, are the cost of hotels, particularly in you know, more than half, call it three quarters of the, the major markets in the United States are at higher room rates than they were in 2019 before COVID uh, began. And the fact is that they're probably not going down anytime soon. The reason for that is that there's an element of travel that is really just getting started again, and that's corporate travel, like yours and mine, as well as group travel, conventions. And I do see you're you know, showing some uh, shots of Las Vegas, which is the preeminent group destination in the country, if not the world. But many of the other major urban markets, such as New York, Chicago, uh, et cetera, are just starting to get their corporate customers back and their group customers back. And so that midweek demand, that group demand compresses everything. And frankly, for us leisure travelers, it's probably not going down anytime soon. Are there specific parts of that? I mean, I, I know that you don't cover the airlines specifically. We've already talked about the, the, the woes that people have had with, with airports and travel and costs and, and, and staffing shortages. Are there any particular hotel companies that you cover that would stand to benefit more versus the others just on a relative yeah. basis? Yeah, it's a good question, Dominic. And, the, you know, the larger players who are Hilton and Marriott, those are, you know, at least in our coverage in the U.S., the largest, Marriott is the largest by far. I mean, they have a group component. For example, in, in Marriott's case, about 20% of their room nights are group-oriented, most of which are corporately driven. Uh, in Hilton's case, it's a similar amount. And when we look back at both of those companies, more than half of their room nights total uh, are corporately driven, right, rather than leisure-driven. And so that element of the business, and, and let me be more specific, the SME market probably has recovered to 2019 levels in terms of demand, but the larger corporate clients are really just reactivating their travel now. And so when you put those two you know, group and corporate components together for those larger companies, such as Hilton and Marriott, uh, our call has been that their earnings and their you know, demand and their profile is still accelerating. There's one other I'd throw in there. We do happen to cover the underlying real estate companies. Uh, HST, or Host Hotels, owns a lot of the larger big box group hotels that you know, the, branded, the brands will manage for them. Uh, but they're a beneficiary here as well. All right. David Katz at Jeffries with the thoughts on travel and leisure. Looks like we'll be paying up for a while. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. Coming up on the show, our next guest says she's getting her sock shopping list together. And there are some well-known tech names that long-term investors should consider. Those names coming up. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get a check on the markets as Wall Street awaits key inflation data tomorrow. Futures right now pointed to some modest gains at the opening bell. Joining me now is Sylvia Jablonski, CEO, CIO, and co-founder of Defiance ETFs. She's an expert on many things, among them thematic investing. So, Sylvia, thematically... Should people be investing in this market? Is it still constructive in your mind? Good morning, Dom. Uh, great to see you today. 
Yeah, you know, I think that actually it's a great time to get into the market and start thinking about thematic investing. A lot of the the thematic products out there, whether they're ETFs or single stock names, have just been beat up because growth got hit, you know, sort of worse than anything, um, given given the issues with inflation and Fed hikes and things like that. Those names tend to suffer the worst. But I do think that what we've seen lately, and, and it's really come out of tech earnings, is that there's been this resilience in some of these companies that are higher quality that have strong balance sheets, you know, the, the operating margins have essentially proven that they can absorb inflation. And when I, you know, talk about sort of these names and these themes, you know, a lot of them are actually big tech names and and big um, semiconductor names like AMD, NVIDIA, for example, that are part of the themes or the trends of the future, like 5G, quantum computing, you know, edge computing, cloud and things like that. So these names are on sale and it's a great time to sort of start scooping them up for long-term investors. So what, what exactly then is on that shopping list for you? I mean, specifically, I mean, you mentioned some of those large cap, mega cap technology names. We've seen communication services stocks like media companies and social media companies really taken on the chin over the last couple of weeks, given the outlook for online advertising and whatnot. We just saw NVIDIA's pre-warning yesterday that kind of drove a lot of the tech sector down. Could there possibly be more downside to come for technology? Is now the time to want to get in? Yeah, so I think it depends on your outlook. In the short term, I I would agree that perhaps it's a little bit risky to get in if you're looking for short-term returns. But for long-term traders, I'm looking at the tech generals, so the Microsofts, the Amazons, Apple, Googles of the world. You know, they're invested in cloud computing. They're invested in data centers, um, subscriptions. They have e-commerce. They have ads. They have all of these sorts of things that will participate once the economy starts to recover and we kind of get past these rate hikes. Uh, And again, earnings have proved resiliency there. They have strong operating margins, strong balance sheets, and they can sort of survive this. So for the long term, they've been on sale. The multiples have been brought down. And I'm really continuing to scoop those up. I've been doing it all along, dollar cost averaging in. And you mentioned NVIDIA. So yes, NVIDIA had, you know, arguably a a terrible sort of outlook on things like gaming. But if you think about the future and you think about deflationary tech and how we're going to have to automate factories, you know, build electric vehicles, the bills from Washington that will support this, ships are going to play a big role in that. And it'll take a while for that to play out. So when I see NVIDIA falling 8%, you know, could it fall more? It certainly can. And and it could. But I can't really time that. I do think that I plan to hold this stock for three to five years. And I think I would like to participate in that 5G trend and all of these automation trends that will come with chips. So I'm comfortable buying them here and holding them. Um, Again, short term, I do think that you can get some risk if you're looking for a play out and and you might not have that trade play out for you. But long term, they are good, solid names. I mean, NVIDIA has 20 billion of cash on the balance sheet. That's a strong, strong company. And where would you, before we let you go, what's your least favorite part of the market right now? Uh, well, my least favorite part of the market would be kind of the the, the hyper growth, the, the work from home types of trades that I do think are, are sort of over. So, you know, I, I'm not looking for Peloton names, for example. I'm not necessarily looking to jump into some of the subscriber, um, you know, media types of, of, of companies out there like the Netflix and, um, you know, sort of the names along those lines. I do think that those are going to take a while before they sort of play out. So I'm staying away from those names. All right. Sylvie Jablonski, thank you very much for the thoughts. We appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Futures right now pointing to some modest gains at the opening bell. The Dow implied higher by roughly 50 points. The Nasdaq has now slipped into the red. We'll keep an eye on that trade. That does it for us here. Squawk Box picks up the market coverage coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. 
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.